It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, it's hard to explain, but I love these horrible movies. So if you've made a horror movie on your iPhone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you take a love story, a really shitty love story, put it inside another love story? That's not as shitty. Inside of a horror franchise. Now what do you get? You get the classic Bride of Chucky. Cut off really weird. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Terrible Terror Podcast. I know I've already introduced you once, but welcome once again. And this week, we have a very special treat. Uh, this movie is very entertaining. Uh, no matter how you splice it, uh, it's probably one of the best movies that we've viewed on this podcast. Well, maybe not for everybody, but definitely for me. And that's what counts, right? Right? Well... Let's talk a little bit about the Chucky franchise, or as it's known for the first three films, you know, the Child's Play franchise. It's one of those weird franchises where it lasts, it has lasted for so long, and yet the quality has been pretty on par, uh, especially when we start to change into this area where now it's known for being more of a horror comedy Rather than just a straight-up horror movie. I mean, your first couple of films, it was straight-up horror. You know, and they're all kind of continuous, and they all bounce off each other. But it's also a little bit weird, because there are some things, at least when you read about it, compared to when you actually watch it in the dialogue that they put forth in the film, the pacing and the timelines get really weird and really kind of mixed. Because everything seems to happen right after each other, yet there is a lot of time in between films. I mean, when you look at Child's Play 3 and Bride of Chucky, the time frame is uh, really about seven years. Uh, I believe that Bride of Chucky came out in 1998, while Child's Play was in 1991. I mean, you had the other, the first ones. You had original Child's Play in 88, Child's Play 2 in 90, and then Child's Play 3 in 91. And then you have a big gap in between there. And you kind of get those gaps in between the rest of the films. Because after Bride, you get Seed, which was in 2004, which directly follows Bride of Chucky. And then you get Curse of Chucky in 2013. And now you're going to get, in 2017, you're going to get the Revenge of Chucky. You're going to see him return. Which, hopefully, is not some type of reboot. And hopefully, it continues the same type of... uh, you know, franchise that they've done, or they don't try to go back into the extremely scary territory. Uh, maybe a mix of the two that we kind of have now between the first three and uh, this one, you know, that started kind of the more funnier type of check. I mean, he's always been kind of a funny villain, but it really starts to kind of take off from this point. So, what you also have to know is that the end of Child's Play 3, you know, of course, Chucky is killed once again. 
And this is supposedly, if you if you read things on the net, now I'm not sure, you know, of course, what to really kind of think about the stuff that you find out there, but it says it takes place one month after the end of Child's Play 3. But as you find out, you know, she's been looking for him for the last 10 years, which makes a little more sense in terms of the movie timelines. Since the first one came out in 88 and she's been looking for him since she di- since he died, it makes sense this is 10 years later. And now we have Bride of Chucky where she finally does find him, though it takes place so long. So without further ado and without trying to go a little further into this right away and skipping ahead way ahead, let's just get into Bride of Chucky. So we open up the movie on a dark and stormy night and we see uh, a cop and he's entering what looks to be some type of like holding place and it's really kind of neat because you see all these horror icons items all littered over the place you see jason's mask you see freddy's claws the texas chainsaw and he goes through everything until he reaches a locker that says unsolved and that unsolved locker happens to contain a bag that we probably know is going to be Chucky. Now, I should also say that this film was directed by Ronnie Yu, and I had no idea who this guy was until I looked up some of his filmography, because I'm like, well, you know, they're putting his name in big lights. You might as well kind of figure out what he uh, what he's done. And he's done a lot of Chinese cinema, um, and really this is kind of one kind of his first foray into american cinema uh you know really this kind of was i mean i don't know warriors of virtue i believe is uh it would have been actually his first film looking at it and that was kind of weird and then he gets given this and as you'll find out throughout this i like what he did and then he also did a couple other films uh, that you may know, Fearless being one of them. And then in 2003, he did a little movie called Freddy vs. Jason. So he was given two big franchises, at least horror franchises, to direct. And, uh, you know, this one ain't that bad. Um, so, uh, as we keep going, we see the policeman, he takes a thing, and then he makes a call to Tiffany, who is played by Jennifer Tilly. Hey, I'm on my way, and don't forget my money. See you soon, and barely don't you forget. So, we then show up in a warehouse where he's waiting for her, and there's actually a pretty good jump scare that happens at this point. Uh, and you get a kind of a seven what's-in-the-box type moment. Not really, I'm just that's what went through my head when he's looking into the bag. And Jennifer Tilly comes up behind him and slits his throat. And leaves him to die. To, well, takes his lighter. And then she grabs Chucky. Well, hello, Dolly. No, I think the proper response to you showing up on screen really should be, Hello, nurse. Oh, man. Jennifer Tilly, honestly, she looks so goddamn hot in this movie. And there are things that should have happened that never did. But you can probably find those in some other place. So at this point, the credits roll and Rob Zombie starts to play. And then we get visions of her, I guess, trailer. Uh, it's, it was hard to kind of make out in the beginning. I mean, I guess it's pretty obvious that she lives in a trailer park. We're shown images 
of different newspaper articles about Charles Lee Ray, who's the name of Chucky, well, the spirit inside of the Chucky doll, I guess we should say. Though, from now on, he's always going to be known as Chucky, who remembers Charles Lee Ray as it is. So, there's really this deep obsession with him, and we can't quite pinpoint what it is, and I'm pretty sure we're going to learn this later on, though, you know, with the title of the film, Bride of Chucky, you have to think that something or some past of theirs is somehow linked together, whether it's boyfriend-girlfriend or she truly just is one of those people's obsessed with serial killers, or, you know, it could be something else altogether. Maybe it's his sister. Who knows? But she starts stitching the, touch, the Chucky doll back together like some type of macabre seamstress. I guess she's got some type of, like, motherly instinct in her or something because she's able to just put everything back together except when she starts stapling the shit out of him. That one's a little bit odd. Not sure why you'd use staples, but you know what? If they bring your lover back, or whomever this is, back to life, uh, then we'll do it. We then cut over to our B story, if you will. And holy shit, I totally forgot that John Ritter was in this movie. He's here, and he's the uncle of our main heroine, if you want to even call her that. And her date has showed up for the night. Jane, David's here! Well, I've been hearing good things about you, David. I understand you're off to Princeton next fall. Yes, sir. What are you going to study? Theater arts. Mm -hmm. But on an athletic scholarship, right? Playing hockey? Figure skating. Mm-hmm. Jade! Oh, David, John Ritter's on to you, boy. You better run away. You're one of those queers that I've been hearing about, huh? Because that's the face that he kind of makes. It's a weird role for John Ritter, to be honest with you. I mean, he plays this chief of police that has the same fucking expression the whole time and is kind of a dick, to be honest with you. So, uh, Jade comes downstairs and holy shit, it's Catherine Heigl. Oh my god, like, that's two people that I can't believe are in this film and I do not, for the life of me, remember being in this film. Now, I probably could forget Catherine Heigl. Because she doesn't quite look like the Katherine Heigl and she's much younger than, you know, the big roles that she had later on with Grey's Anatomy and, of course, Knocked Up. And then nothing else really ever since has been anything uh, worthwhile watching. Uh, but it's weird to see her in this role, especially now I, I'm going to point this out and please don't get mad at me, but her teeth are fucking jacked up in this movie. It is disturbing at points to watch when you see that when she's become an actress and how she's gotten things fixed, uh, that it's very odd and very weird to look at her in this film and be like, oh yeah, her teeth are kind of jacked up. Not saying it's because it's a she and that's the only thing I can see because, like I said, John Ritter's got this weird thing going on with his hair that I absolutely hate in this movie. It's like, it's like slicked back. But it doesn't look like it's been slicked back with product. Like he's wearing like a wig that's permanently pulling the hair back. Or there's a ponytail that we should be seeing but we really don't. Like that bothers the crap out of me. That and his one note acting in this film. And I know that he's a much better actor than this. Uh, and it's weird to see him 
you know, in a role that's specifically one note. So they keep talking, uh, and then you know, the Jade and David they both leave the house, and of course. In the back of my mind is, even when I saw this kid, I'm like, oh, that's not really the guy that she's going to go out with. There's going to be somebody else. And then it's like they get in the car, and of course, there's no surprise that that's exactly what's happened. So Warren fell for it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> David made quite an impression. I think Warren's in love. Yuck. <laughs> not my type. I'm so over that whole uniform thing. Okay, and there's my reasoning for the uh, the gay aspect, because he actually is gay. I mean, it's I hate stereotypes like that when they put them into these these types of movies. You know, I always like Patton Oswalt's joke of, you know, I want to be when he wanted to play the gay guy, but he wanted to play him as aloof as possible, not the stereotypical gay guy. But that's the kind of thing that you get with this. Like, okay, well, oh, he likes figure skating and he's a part of theater. <laughs> that's the red flag. That's the red flag that's going to go. Come on. We're better than this. Of course, this is 98. So maybe at 98, we weren't better than this. And maybe I can give it a little bit of a pass. Of course, while they're driving along, they're pulled over by uh, John Ritter's, well, his character Warren's little lackey. And they're basically kind of arrested on site. It's weird. Well, they're not really arrested. They're pulled over and they're basically checked. And for a second there while they're driving, which I found really weird, it it looks like a continuity error, that it doesn't seem to be raining. And then the moment that they stop the car and the police officer starts walking towards them, it's fucking pouring. And that's just really weird. Uh, I don't quite get it. I don't know what maybe they were going for. I think it was supposed to be raining for the most part. Or there's just some weird transition when all of a sudden it's just fucking raining. And I just don't get it. We head back over to Tilly's place. Well, I'll I'll try to call her Tiffany from now on. But really, uh, it's hard not to call Jennifer Tilly Jennifer Tilly. Especially when Jennifer Tilly's boobs are all over the goddamn place in this movie. And we never really get a proper boob shot. I mean, I'm perfectly fine with everything I see of Jennifer Tilly in this film. And yes, that is me being a little bit of a horn dog with this. Because goddamn, honestly, if you are really into Jennifer Tilly, uh, this is your movie. I mean, besides something like Wild Things, which probably should also be your movie, but goddamn, like, she's hot beyond belief in this. I understand a lot of people don't like the voice, and I know I'm going on a tangent about how hot Jennifer Tilly is, but seriously, I mean, she's on display pretty much, uh, you know, the whole film, the whole time that she's there, uh, and honestly, she does a very good job, and I could see where people falter for her roles or what she's done and how she, especially her voice. I think that's what everybody kind of gets on. I don't know. I find it kind of sexy. And I think she really works it in this film. Well, Tiffany has now somehow become also some type of like voodoo priestess now uh, because she tries to bring back Chucky. Power, I beg of you. Hot 
So, of course, the spell seems to fail, and Tiffany gets frustrated. She's also then interrupted by her, I would say, goth admirer, uh, who's played by Alexis Arquette. I'm not really going to say holy shit to that one, but this is one of the few roles before I think Alexis Arquette transitioned to Alexis Arquette. Um, And honestly, I wouldn't have realized who that was, uh, but my wife made it very certain that I should know who that is. So, Alexis Arquette uh, plays like kind of a goth puppy dog. That's the best way I can describe him. Because he's enamored by Tiffany. And he really tries to impress her by showing somebody that he says that he's killed. But turns out he just did really good makeup on himself. Hey, how was your day? Same old, same old. Oh, hey, check it out. What? Check it out. What is it? You mean who is it? Who is it? You mean who was it? Oh my god. Oh my god, you really did a number on him, didn't you? <laughs> what did you use? Was it really bloody? Did he scream a lot? Was he ha You know, Damien, this guy looks awfully familiar. I recognize the nail polish. Shit. You never really actually killed anybody, did you? Did you? Did you, you pathetic worm? She reprimands him for showing her this picture because she really, really got into it. Like, you can tell that, like I said before, there's something that Tiffany has with killers and serial killers that kind of gets her off. And when she saw the dead body, she was getting really excited and kind of getting hot for goth guy here for a second. And then when she found out that it was fake, she totally went away from him. And she looks around the room also and notices that Chucky has moved from the spot that he was in. And to see if he's truly come to life, she has Gothboy here go and try to look underneath the, the couchish thing uh, to see if maybe he's underneath there. There's some decent, like, spider jump scare at this point. And honestly, at this point in the film, I'm not sure if the film's trying to take itself seriously or it's uh, leading up to something different. Because so far, everything's been straightforward, but there have been kind of funny scenes especially like with the spell failing and she just tosses the voodoo for dummies book that she just throws into the corner of her living space so of course damien here uh goth boy as you will he gets a little frustrated at what's going on and you know he's been kind of courting tiffany for quite some time yes i'm sorry for the old school word but courting Uh, And he hasn't, you know, gotten down, gotten busy with her yet. And so he kind of vents his frustration a little bit by speaking a little French. You know what the French call an orgasm? Le petit morte. (laughs) The little death. So he's really trying to impress her with his knowledge. Because who wouldn't want to jump Tiffany? I mean, honestly. I uh, Again, I'm not going to go into another tirade about Jennifer Tilly. But she's trying to get Chucky to come, well, kind of come back to life. Uh, since she already thinks that the spell has worked in actuality. And to basically kill poor Damien here. So she decides to actually introduce Damien to Chucky. Hi, I'm Chucky. Want to play? The hell's get this thing? Out of them, of course. It's the actual dolphin those murders. I 
stitch them together. You gotta be kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you. Why would I kid you? Tiffany, I knew you were obsessed, but... I'm not a... Chucky? He's so 80s. He's even scary. Yes, he is. Look at him. You look at that punk. Look at me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I was wrong. I thought he'd make an interesting toy. Okay, there's a couple things here. First, that noise that you heard uh, Alexis Arquette made is him basically, like, butt-fucking the goddamn Chucky doll. First, you don't fuck with Chucky. That's just a rule. Even if you thought that maybe it wouldn't come to life because you think it's a total hoax, you know, I still wouldn't mess with a goddamn doll because I know what it could do. And really, when it looks like that. I mean, his face is completely torn up from the last film because he was completely destroyed and she really did stitch him back entirely it i just don't trust that i mean i would have thought that maybe that that guy's gonna come back to life at some point and he's probably gonna come after me uh just looking at honestly people honestly so the second thing is that why would you want to have a three-way with chucky and the guy I understand it's probably just to entice him again, like I said, to kill poor Damien here. Uh, And which she actually does. She does seduce him. She does cuff him to the bed. And she uses a term that hopefully he understands. Are you ready for a menage a trois? What's that? I thought you understood French. That's a pretty funny joke, okay? Especially after everything was done and he talks about a petite mort and then doesn't know what menage a trois is. So, she basically uses her sexuality to get him onto the bed and also to make Chucky jealous. Because that's what she thinks going to really kind of bring him back and uh, make sure that he's going to be with her forever. And poor Damien, he ends up getting it by getting his tongue ring ripped out, which is... Ugh... Interesting. You know, Damien, there's something I never told you about Chucky. Don't tell me Schmucky's one of those dolls who wets his pants. Uh, 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 uh. I wouldn't talk that way about Chucky if I were you. He has a very bad temper. You see, we lived together for years. Of course, that was before the cops killed him. That was before he passed his soul into that doll there. (laughs) Boy, was he ever jealous. Anybody even looked at me, Chucky would take care of him. Wouldn't you, Chucky? We were gonna get married. God, was he an incredible lover. He was the best I ever had. Come on, baby. He ain't big enough to take care of a woman like you. And that's when he takes out the lip ring that he has and blood just kind of starts gushing everywhere. And it looks really painful. Then he takes the pillow and he puts it over his head and starts suffocating the poor guy. And he ends up sitting on his face. Now, I understand he is handcuffed to the bed. uh, But honestly, he could get away. Or he could probably headbang Chucky off. You'd probably need Jennifer Tilly to help push down that pillow. Unless... You know, Chucky is a lot heavier than 
he looks. Or has the ability to become like super strength, like rock-like, and smother people. Once the life has been squeezed out of poor goth boy here, there's a very awkward conversation in between uh, Tiffany and Chucky. Hi. Hi. How you been? Okay. You? Peachy. Actually, to tell you the truth, I've been kind of out of it. I know. It took me ten years to find you. See, if it's taken ten years to find him, then a lot of these descriptions that I'm finding are wrong. It's not one month after the end of the last movie. It's at least ten years. Or it's been ten years since the beginning. It's hard to be only one month from the end of Child's Play 3 when it's at least been seven years between the movies. And if she's been looking for him for the beginning of the, the franchise, I guess maybe it was when he was first shot. Then it makes sense. But there are a lot of things that's kind of like, that get me. Like when Gothboy said, oh, this is an 80s relic. Well, it kind of is because it, the original one was in 88. And that's when the whole doll line was there. Uh, well, the Chucky doll line, the fictional doll line. And as you know, it was supposed to be called My Buddy Chucky, but because the My Buddy toy lines came out, they had to change the name of the doll because they didn't want to become associated with that or probably get sued because of that. So you have her looking for him probably since the day that he was shot and killed by police and he transferred his soul into the doll. But really, for it to only be a month in between the end of Child's Play 3 and the beginning of this movie, it's a really hard stretch. And again, for him to be an 80s relic where two of these films take place during the 90s, it makes absolutely no sense to me. So they have their awkward conversations, and then we cut back over to our B story, which is Jade and Jesse, uh, and as well as David right now, who have been pulled over by Needle Nose Cop, who works for John Ritter's Warren. And, you know, they ha start having a conversation, you know, about, well, he's basically trying to plant stuff on him. And when Warren finally shows up, we find out that he's a really, really cold man. Seems like a false alarm here. That's okay, Norton. Better safe than sorry, right? This is a new low. For you too. Get in the car. Fight me. Jade. When you're 18, you can go to hell for all I care. But until then, I'm stuck with you. And I'll be damned if I'm going to let you embarrass me by ending up on Jerry Springer with some trailer trash lowlife. You fuck. But you won't. Not Jade, anyway. Not anymore. That's a pretty sick burn, to be honest with you. But the delivery is just so one note that bothers me. And then it, this bothers me. The whole movie are these characters. If everything in this movie, and I'll get into this much more later, could just be Chucky and Tiffany, uh, it would be great. Because you get acting like this. And you can tell, for at least for Katherine Heigl, this is definitely one of her first, 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 first roles. Because her acting is complete and utter shit and fits into a bad horror movie. And the guy that plays Jesse, I can't remember what his name is. He's just as bad. But John Ritter, come on, you could have delivered your lines a little better. Though, he does get a slam on Christian Slater, and he does make that character stone cold. I'm the chief of police sport. I can do whatever I want. So if, for example, I was to run a blood test on you tonight, and the results made you look like Christian Slater on New Year's Eve? Okay, really? Christian Slater is not that bad anymore. Maybe at this point... 
you know, this was after a lot of his big success, you know, like the wizard, uh, that maybe he went a little overboard, but come on, man, he's not a bad guy. He's just a poor man's Jack Nicholson. That's it. Leave him alone. Let him be what he wants to be. So he takes Jade and of course, poor David or not David, Jesse is heartbroken and they move off. And then we go back into talking with uh, the conversations between Chucky and Tilly. So, of course, Tiffany thought at some point, uh, well, she's been in love with Chucky for a very long time. And thought that this whole time, and she's talked about it before, that he was going to marry her. And she had held on to this ring for the longest time. And when Chucky first sees the ring, he's excited about it. But not for the reason that uh, Tiffany thinks. You mean... You weren't going to ask me to marry you? What are you, fucking nuts? <laughs> you thought? Poor Tiffany thought everything was going to be right once she brought Chucky back to life. They were going to live long and happily ever after being married to a serial killer, which still, I guess that works for some places, and that works for some people, but not necessarily me. This, of course, pisses her off, and she does reflect on what her mother says, which she does quite a bit in this film, but she reflects on the one point that her mother made to her when she was a young child. My mother always said love was supposed to set you free. That's not true, Chucky. I've been a prisoner of my love for you for a very long time. Now it's payback time. You let me out of here right now! Sweet dreams, asshole. I should say that actually before she made this line, she locked Chucky in the baby cage that she was hoping to have with him. She was, or with Crib, I should say. But it's pretty much a fucking cage. I mean, it's literally like wooden bars and then, you know, a top with the lock on it. So... From this point, we fade out until uh, the next morning. And we see Jesse the Beefcake. He's out there working on his car or cleaning his car. He's not doing a very good job of it because there's nothing on the fucking car and he's just wiping a shirt across it. Tiffany appears from out of her trailer with a giant box and she calls over to Jesse to come and help her. While he's coming, we notice that the hair of poor goth boy is sticking out of one side of the trunk and Tiffany pushes it back in right before Jesse comes over and helps her. Jesse has a very hard time in trying to lift the trunk into the back of her car, kind of wondering what's in there. And there's, she just kind of says, Oh, well, there's just a bunch of crap. She's going to drop off at the thrift store that she doesn't need anymore. And of course he falls for it. Uh, and then we hear some loud yelling coming from her trailer. Tiffany, where the fuck are you? You got some company? No, just babysitting. Oh, my little fucker. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is something that Jesse believes, which proves that he's a complete and utter fucking idiot. Really? Like, a kid is going to yell like that in a very manly voice? It doesn't make any sense. Well, Tiffany tries to put the moves on Beefcake here, and of course he rejects because he's in love with Jade, and he needs to be able to do something for her. And then we get another one of the things that Tiffany's mom used to say. Never take her for granted. It's like my mother always used to say, 
A woman spends all day slaving over a hot stove for a man. The least he can do is the dishes. Actually, that's not a bad thing, to be honest with you. And I wonder if her mom has a book of these things that we can purchase for later. Tiffany's mom's revelations of relationships. Make sure he does the dishes if you do the cooking. And it should be vice versa, goddammit. If he cooks all the time, you do the fucking dishes. Clean the bathtubs once a month. Wait, what? Oh, maybe one of the other revelations is in there. If he's a serial killer, maybe you shouldn't marry him. Maybe you shouldn't lock him into a cage. Because maybe something might happen to you. We then cut back to Chucky, and he's playing with a speaking spell? Spell woman. E-I-T-C-H. That is incorrect. <laughs> the correct spelling of woman is W-O-M. Shows how much you know. So we also see when he's lying in the crib and he's got all the little toys out, he's basically spelled out like kill Tiffany and Tiffany sucks and it's kind of neat, kind of funny uh, that he's in there. Tiffany comes back and she brings with her a giant doll for Chucky and it happens to be a bride doll and she's making fun of him and she throws him into, well throws her into the same crib as Chucky but also leaves the diamond ring on the damn doll's finger. Now that's going to come back and bite you in the ass, Tiffany. You know it. And it does because Chucky starts actually using it to saw off the wooden bars of this crib. If it was a metal crib, okay, you know, it might take him a lot longer since it's a diamond. Diamond should still be able to cut through that. But it doesn't take him that much time at all to actually go through the bars. And this is actually one of my favorite kills in the movie. And it's not because of how it's done. Um, it's because of the, sh- the angles and the framings of the shots. You get one of the coolest images of the movie, which is Chucky's head going into what kind of is like a, a shower curtain, I would say. But it's a, you know, it's a divider curtain for her bathtub. But the way it looks is just so cool. And it's just the puppet and the curtain. It's nothing. There are no freaking CGI effects. There's nothing else that you need to do. It it is literally just trickery of the camera. And it looks awesome. It looks creepy. It It's just like so interesting how it's, it relates to everything. And of course... We should also say that she's watching Bride of Frankenstein in the tub, so we kind of know what's going to happen here at this point. And we also kind of know the outcome of the movie. Though, to be honest, if we want to run a parallel between Bride of Frankenstein and Bride of Chucky, it's not necessarily that, you know, Frankenstein was so in love with the bride, but the bride ultimately kind of came to her senses and couldn't be with him anymore. I guess maybe that kind of does relate to when I'm thinking about it. Um, and it's definitely something to try to parallel between the two. Uh, and to think if you've ever seen Bride of Frankenstein and try to see a lot of the same themes kind of pop up here. Though, you know, it's much different and much different type of movie. Uh, but so the way that's framed and then Chucky, of course, he rushes in and he gets kicked right in the fucking face by Tiffany. And then he rushes back and he knocks the TV that she was watching into the bathtub and electrocutes her to death. And this is when, of course, he tries to bring her back with the same spell. 
resurrected in the body of the bride doll that Chucky bought well that she bought for Chucky I should say and she freaks the fuck out but he explains to her exactly what she is now you got your wish you're mine now doll and if you know what's good for you you are going to love honor and obey I wouldn't marry you if you had the body of G.I. Joe hey raggedy Ann you mirror lately, now's not the time to get picky. <laughs> so, of course, she's very upset the fact that she's been brought back to life inside this doll. And it's weird. If he just wanted to kill her, he should have just fucking killed her. And then just left it at that and go on his little spree. But you can kind of tell that maybe he does have some feelings for her. Or, at least at this point in the film, he just wants some type of revenge uh, to make her understand what he's going through uh, and force her to do the same thing. She, of course, goes and gets the Voodoo for Dummies book and starts reading through it, trying to figure out a way to get her body back. And Chucky explains it to her what exactly they need to do. Face it, Tiff. You need me. Otherwise, you're stuck like this for good. I don't need you. I'll look it up myself. Oh, go ahead. Chapter 6. Page 217. The heart of Dumbala. What's that? An amulet. We need it to transfer our souls into human bodies. Okay. And where the hell is it? I was wearing it around my neck the night those bastards gunned me down. It was buried with my corpse in Hackensack, New Jersey. All right, let's go. Oh, sure. I'll steer and you can work the pedals. We're dolls, you dope! Of course, that's a very good realization, but there has to be a way that they could actually get this, get to where they need to go, to get to Chucky's gravesite, or Charles Lee Ray, get to his gravesite, so that they can get the amulet back and so that they can get their bodies back, or at least get into somebody else's bodies. Because I'm pretty sure at this point, if they want to get their bodies back, one, hers is fried, uh, but still hot looking. Uh, and Ch- Charles's body is probably pretty decayed. In fact, it's been 10 years, so there's probably just a skeleton there. So they do come up with a plan. The plan is to get Jesse to drive the two dolls to New Jersey. This, of course, gets the idea in Jesse's head that he's gonna he'll do it. But he's going to go and he's going to kidnap Jade. And he's going to, well, not really kidnap her. He's going to grab Jade and they're going to run. And of course, this creates one of the worst parts of this fucking movie. Jesse Warren will be home and Jake if he catches you. You know I never take you for granted. Jesse. You know, like if you'd cook, I'd do the dishes, right? What are you talking about? I'd do anything for you. Anything at all. You know that, right? Right? What? Marry me. Tonight. Warren would kill us. I don't care about Warren. That's why we're going to disappear. 
are we going to go? Anywhere you want. Well, what are we going to do for money? We got money. Where did you get this? You know my neighbor, Tiffany? She's paying me $500 to take a couple of dolls to a friend of hers in Jersey. Jade, there's another 500 when we get there. Oh, shit, Jesse. What has that freak gotten you into? <laughs> I don't know. I don't care. I can put a deposit on an apartment. I'll get a job. I'll help put you through college. I think I'm going to throw up. Okay, there's a couple things that I want to talk about with this in general, but there is something that I forgot to mention, and that was the doll dress-up montage scene. See, Tiffany doesn't like the way the doll looks, and if you look at the the original version of the doll, and you can see that in a couple of different uh, clips that are out there, but she has black hair, and, you know, she's wearing the dress, and then she does the whole dress-up thing where she basically tries to dress her as close to Jennifer Tilly as possible. She dyes the hair blonde, she fluffs it up, she puts on the leather jacket, she even puts the little uh, mole that's on her cheek, well, I guess on her upper lip, I should say, and it's relatively entertaining to watch the doll dress-up montage. Now, with this scene in particular, 500 bucks ain't gonna do you shit. Like, what is this guy thinking? He should really know. Like, he is that dumb. And, of course, they're starstruck teenagers, okay? He, (laughs) I've got 500 bucks, babe. That's enough to put a down payment on an apartment. No, that's enough for you to put a down payment on a hotel room in a very sleazy area of New Jersey that maybe, hopefully, you won't be robbed in the middle of the night and you won't be maybe uh, beat up, killed, shot, anything. Uh, it probably also will start funding your meth habit because, you know, you're going to be trying to work or trying to find a job and you're going to fail at that while you're doing that because you really have no skills other than being buff and shirtless and you're not going to make that money to put her through school. And how old is she again? Because you're asking her to marry her. Okay. And if I'm not mistaken, Warren said that she was under 18. So is she 17? Is she 16? What's the legal age in the state that you're in? Because you're, you're outside of New Jersey. Because that's where the body's buried, in Hoboken, New Jersey. I, this hasn't been said whether this takes place inside New Jersey, but they say in a little bit that they're closing the borders. So it's making me believe that they're in another state entirely. Maybe they're just in New York. Uh, or maybe they're, you know, more than likely they're probably still in New Jersey, to be honest with you. But what's the legal age to be married with just consent? Is it 16? Is it 17? Because she can't really do that, right? I, I just, the, the delusion in this scene is so heavy that it's really frustrating. But I'm probably also coming from a guy that is living in the current age. And in 1998, maybe $500 could have gotten you a down payment uh, on a room, especially around here. But even in 98, 99, I mean, I think I remember paying at least uh 1500 1600 for a townhouse uh you know down when i was going to college so $500 you know and this is california money we're talking about and new jersey money is probably not that much far off uh unless he intends to rent another trailer and why didn't he just pack up his trailer and go unless that was his parents trailer who we never see and i guess they're okay with him running off and eloping with some random rich girl 
No, no, I am not going to seal any hollow notes. I'm sorry. So I believe that Chucky probably has the best understanding of this situation. Oh, that's so romantic. I give him six months, three if she gains weight. I agree with you, Chucky. I agree. Though that is a little harsh. So they run back in the house to go get clothes for her because they're going to go and run off. Meanwhile, Ritter shows up, Ritter's Warren, and he notices that the van's there and kind of wants to see what's going on. So, of course, what does he do? He tries to break into the van. He's unable to do it, so he runs back to the house, and uh, Chucky and Tiffany, uh, they start having a conversation about what to do with him. Chucky wants to use old, trusty, and faithful, but Tiffany wants him to try another approach. Ah, what the hell? I need the exercise. Were you born with that knife super glued onto your hand or what? What are you talking about? For God's sake, Chucky, drag yourself into the 90s. Stabbings went out with Bundy and Dahmer. You look like Martha Stewart with that thing. Who the fuck is Martha Stewart? My idol. And what does Martha tell you to do when guests drop by for dinner and you haven't had time to shop? You improvise. So... Basically, they set a trap for Warren. Warren comes back and he's able to break the lock on the back of the van. And he tries to plant some reefer into the car. Which I know is going to be used by Chucky and Tiffany later on in the film. It's just going to happen. I don't understand, but there's some thing about late 90s things and pot and everything's got to... It's just a stupid cliche that doesn't need to happen. Anyway, so Tiffany starts making random noises. Sounds like she's crying. And Ritter walks up to the front of the van. And right before he turns around, after he sees Tiffany sitting there in the seat, uh, Chucky, he cuts the line to the airbag, which throws a shit ton of nails right into the face of Warren. And uh, at least right now, we think down goes Ritter and they have to figure out what to do with the body so they dump him inside one of the containers uh, of some of the seating inside the van uh, the kids come together and they drive off as they're driving of course Warren's uh, little pet dog he comes and pulls them over and starts basically getting into their face and you know uh, Jade she says something about uh basically killing uh this officer and uh, jesse calms her down by trying to say well it's basically saying hey go and get uh some stuff for us and i'll handle this the deputy searches the car finds the pot and goes to you know uh basically run a report on these guys of course before this like i said chucky and tiffany smoke the pot in the van and nobody notices the smell Nobody sees the smoke. When he opens up the back of the dang van, there's no billowing. It's all gone. Like, it's just frustrating. There's there's, there's another thing that's frustrating about the lack of smell in this movie. And that only one person is able to actually smell anything. But you would think that they've been smoking it. They're not smoking it outside of the car. They're smoking it inside the car that they would actually... You know, the deputy would actually smell something or see some smoke or something. Just give me fucking something once they do it. But no, he just finds the pot. He, you know, 
tries to call back, and of course, Chucky and Tiffany need to improvise. This time it's Chucky improvising, and he takes the lighter that uh, Tiffany originally stole from the first cop that she killed, and goes back and stuffs a jacket into the gas tank of the police officer's car, and then lights the uh, the shirt on fire. Now, for anybody to not notice this, and the fact that it's it's not in there long enough to soak up the gas and to light so easily, but I'm going to give them a pass, because the explosion is pretty cool. Um, there is also a cool joke in between when he's crawling back, and it's weird, when you see Chucky crawl, it's not a puppet, it's obviously a midget wearing a Chucky mask, or at least uh, having the back of it, so you can only see the back of the head, you don't see the front, and when he walks by one of the other guys doing pot uh, in his car, he flips it, flips off the guy, and it's actually a funny scene, um, and then walk, crawls back to the van. The police car itself, it blows up. Uh, again, there's a bunch of smoke and he doesn't notice to the last fucking minute and it's black smoke and he actually does smell it. But it's like I said, it's way too late. You should have smelled the burning from a while ago and the car explodes and pieces of it fly everywhere. And then they show this guy in a phone booth and a piece of the car, like the, it looks like the door just wails and slams right in the phone booth. Now, if you watch it, and I watched it a couple times, I don't care what you say. The guy in there has to be dead, okay? But you see him duck at the last possible minute. So either they did the scene with the stunt guy, and they meant to have the stunt guy take the brunt of it, but maybe it was coming too fast and he ducked out of the way just in time so that he wouldn't get the brunt, but it gets caught on camera, or really they're trying to say that that guy just survived. But there's no way that fucking guy survived. He's fucking dead. The kids pile into the van real fast. Uh, Jay drops the food that she's bought. Why are you wasting all that fucking money? I swear to God, at least pick up the shit and bring it into the van. Uh, uh, and uh, Jesse, in his uh, confusion, he jumps at Jade's recommendation, jumps in the van, and they speed off. And then they have an awkward conversation of uh, kind of trying to guess did you do it? No, I didn't do it. Did you do it? Is that all you have to say? What do you want me to say? Well, I should think you have something to say about what happened. Oh, I, I got something to say. I think you're fucking crazy. I'm crazy. You say you'll do anything for me and this is what I get? Wait a minute. You don't think that I had anything to do with that explosion back there? Didn't you? No. To be honest, I was thinking the same thing about you. How could you think that? You announced in front of a hundred people that you wanted to vaporize him. Oh, it was a figure of speech. Well, you were just as quick to accuse me. Okay, so again, I hate that side of the story. Like, those characters can... I just really wish they would drive off a cliff and die. There's no reason for these two characters. There's no reason for this love story. And this makes absolutely no sense. I think that you would think that if both of you are denying this so hardcore that, okay, you know what? I believe you. But this doesn't happen. And they end up pulling up to a chapel to get married after they each think that the other one has killed somebody. Why would you do that? It makes 
no sense that, that you would just go and, okay, well, fuck it. Let's just get married anyway because that's what we agreed to do. But at the same time, I don't trust you anymore. You know, you are the reason why uh, that guy died. But I'll still marry you. We'll live happily ever after. Everything will be good. Or are you, like, now just afraid? I'm afraid and I've got to marry this person because they may kill me. It makes no fucking sense. Just make some goddamn sense. <sighs> so they're getting married inside of the chapel, and Chucky's coming to terms with today's modern music. Violence in movie vision is what one of the worst problems this facing our Never mind, child. Jesus, the music scene's gone to hell since I've been dead. That's more like it. Oh, fuck yeah, that's Bobby Z right there. What? I like Rob Zombie. I mean, he's been used twice in this film. Actually, that was White Zombie. That's Thunderkiss 65. And that is an older song compared to this film. What? Chucky's right. Music scene went to shit down that stage. What? 98 sucked. Plus, that kind of proves that Chucky's at least somewhat of a metalhead. Come on. What's greater than that? Chucky loves fucking metal. Now we swap over into the lovely suite that they have and we see how happy they are that they married each other by just staring at each other blankly and avoiding each other <sighs> again why why would you do it maybe you should listen to chucky earlier on i guess it's gonna be less than three months chucky so they're interrupted by these this couple that look like they're swingers and they're coming they're like oh this is the place that we were supposed to be in and they're like no this is what we rented and uh, they both are looking around the room, and the woman of the couple, she gets enamored with the Tiffany doll, thinking it's great. And then she looks over at poor old Chucky. Oh. Well, this little guy has a face only a mother could love. Hi, I'm Chucky, and I wouldn't talk if I were you. Oh, Chucky, I think they're going to need some ice for that burn. So while gallivanting around the, the room that Jesse and Jade paid for... The couple get on the bed, and the lady of the group, she actually steals Jesse's wallet. This pisses off Tiffany, because this means that they're not going to be able to get to where they're going, because they're not going to have the money that they need. And also, she's the bitch for even trying to steal the money that they have. So she's got a solution for them. And this comes to one of my other favorite deaths in this movie. And it's weird, because... It's also the way that this is framed and how it's set up is actually pretty cool. Because Tiffany goes into the room and they're talking and you find out that they're thieves and she wanted to go someplace else. And he's like, no, this is the right place to go. And then they start trying to get it on. Uh, and they are kind of in the foreplay mode. And Tiffany runs in the room and you have a Tiffany cam at one point, which follows her around the bed in her midget status. And then you get up to the side of the bed where she has grabbed a uh, champagne bottle that's, that's there. And you have the two, the couple on the bed, and they're, you know, she's standing on the side of the bed. You have the couple on the bed, and then the lady, she looks up. And when she looks up, she looks up in the mirror. She sees the doll standing there with the, you know, champagne bottle. And it's... I think it's really well framed and kind of creepy the way that they did it. And then you realize at this point 
that Tiffany as a doll has the strongest arm in all fucking history because she's able to throw that bottle of champagne and hits the mirror on top and completely shatters it without breaking the fucking bottle. So this is the best built bottle in the world and she is the strongest motherfucker in the world because it's not like she just hits it in a couple pieces. It's tons of little pieces of the mirror shatter and completely slice through the couple that are on the bed below. This, of course, turns uh, poor Chucky on to which he actually asks Tiffany to be his wife. Why are you crying? I always cry at weddings. Oh. oh my god. I'm crying. I wonder if all the plumbing works. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to feel like Pinocchio here. I am anatomically correct, you know. Oh god, no. It's puppet sex. That's what we get to witness next. Luckily, it's just shade. So the only sex that you see in this entire movie is between two puppets, and you don't even see it. It's not like Team America World Police, where we actually get to see all these different positions that they go through. No, 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 no. We just get to see shadows on the wall of two puppets going at it. And some more quips from Tiffany. Wait, what? What? Have you got a rubber? Have I got a rubber? Yeah. Tiff. What? Look at me. I'm all rubber. Oh, that's right. Wait, I, I thought you were plastic. Wait, so does that mean that they needed lube to work it? Or is rubber on rubber contact? Like, I, I don't really want to get too much into it, but you kind of just a little bit have to wonder about the logistics of it, right? I mean, what would the... Okay, no, no, let's not get into it any further. So so you got puppet sex there. And on the other spectrum, you got Jesse and Jade each separately calling David, thinking that the other's the killer. And again, why did you fucking go through with the marriage if you thought that either person was the fucking killer? It makes makes me so angry. Like, this is the dumbest plot point in this fucking movie and it could have been figured out miles ago minutes ago because the matter of a fact is that when they both were in the van earlier and saying basically that neither did it i just i just don't get it and i really can't take this shit jade for me i love you i will always love you but there is a limit to how much i can take would you please stop talking to me like i'm the one who's crazy you're the crazy one you're the you mean multiple murderers? You admit it. No, I don't. I can't take this shit anymore. And that's when David actually shows up. After much, much arguing. And how he got there that fucking fast. I guess maybe he drove overnight or maybe they haven't gone very far. But he shows up and he actually is the voice of reason. And kind of tells them what his thoughts on who actually killed everybody. And he... He, act, he does basically say, since you told me that you're scared of him and you told me that you're scared of her, then it must mean that neither of you did it. And who is the guy that's the culprit? Anyway, the thing that struck me was how sure you both sounded. And to me, that meant one of three things. One of you is lying. 
both of you are wacko or both of you are wrong. Add to that the fact that I know you both better than anybody else, and I've never seen either of you so much as hurt a fly, and I've concluded that what we have here is a terrible misunderstanding. Do you guys smell something in here? Okay, for the sake of argument, if it wasn't you and it wasn't me, then who else would want to kill Warren and Needlenose? And those people from last night. You're assuming Warren's dead. He's only missing. You're suggesting that Warren? Yes. Why not? I'd buy him as a psychopath before either of you two. Pooh, something really stinks in here. Told you not to leave your dirty socks back there. Honey, this ain't no dirty socks. Okay, there is something that I purposely waited this long to tell you about. Because I really didn't want to go off on it beforehand. And now I have that chance. Before they got married... Ritter's Warren actually came back to life. He was not dead. He's been in the car the entire time. Well, their van, I should say. And Chucky stabs him to death in the car. And yes, they put him back where he where he was. What gets me about this, and this is pointed out by David right here. One, you couldn't see the blood. That was probably all of it. How did they clean up the blood that fast? Because they basically got married and came back out to the van. And if there's a dead body in there, how would you not start smelling it? And the dude's been bleeding for a while from his face. Why wouldn't he make any noises or anything that would say, hey, I'm alive? Or again, is Chucky and Tiffany just too heavy for that? But yet everybody else can lift it up, but the people that get stuck underneath them for some reason can't get them off. I I just don't understand the way that this universe works in, in terms of being obvious or, or knowing your surroundings. Because David here, he's able to smell and realizes that there's something totally gross in there that he needs to find. And what does he find? He finds fucking Warren's body any fucking idiot could have found this body could have realized what was going on but these two fuckers must have no sense of smell whatsoever because they can't smell the the pot that was smoked in there they can't smell the fact that there's a decaying body in the car and they're idiots because they don't realize that neither of them were the fucking killer and something else is going on here they're such poorly written characters and I could get by poorly written characters. And actually, for this movie, I kind of do. But just the way that they perform these characters is so ridiculous. And the fact of the matter is that things happen that just make no sense to me. That it, it, it bothers me so much. The fact that here is Warren's body and they haven't noticed anything. They're completely oblivious to everything that's going on. And only David has the ability to sniff out what actually happened. Uh, it's it's a great, you know, it would be fine if it was a, you know, uh, a misdirect for a bunch of people. But it's really only a misdirect. It's not for the audience. Uh, it's for the people of the world. But when you're so stupid that you can't realize that neither of you are involved in this misdirection... It's it's just a little bit disheartening, I guess. Like, I know I want to say, hey, do better film, but I also know that this is a Chucky movie. 
So, and this is kind of a reboot of the second, you know, trilogy uh, of Chucky films. And I really kind of wish that, you know, these characters were better. So, David freaks out, and he points the gun at them, and he tries to flag down an officer uh, on the street. This causes Tiffany and Chucky to show that they're actually alive and point their guns at David, saying, don't move. And we get my favorite death in the entire movie because David just walks out and gets fucking plunged uh, or, or slammed into by a giant truck and fucking explodes. I mean, it's not even like he gets thrown back or something. He fucking blows up and chunks of him go everywhere. And it saves Chucky and Tiffany... Uh, the time of, you know, having to kill poor David. So they force them to drive off, and Chucky kind of explains what their motivation now is. So how, how did you end up like this? Well, it's a long story. It sure is. In fact, if it was a movie, it would take three or four sequels just to do it justice. What are you going to do with us? Funny you should ask. These bodies are okay, but they're like apartments that we're just renting. But now, we're moving on up. Like George and Wheezy. And we're looking to buy. And you know what they say about real estate. Location, location, location. Well, you guys are definitely in the right place at the wrong time. So, they decide that they need to ditch this van because every cop in the area is going to know what they're you know, driving, and they decide to get a Winnebago instead, and because that's not really conspicuous. Uh, but I guess if you don't know that they're in it, I guess you could drive. Plus, you have the ability to make food and you know, shower and a bed to sleep in and everything like that. So, I guess if I was on the run, I'd, I'd probably get an RV. But the gas mileage, man, couldn't you just gotten something that maybe would have gotten you there faster? So they hear over the radio that. Uh, they're going to exhume also uh, his body because they think that there's some sort of tie in it. And uh, I'm, I'm not quite exactly sure what the idea is, but it's a plot driven point to get them there faster is basically what it is. So they're driving along and Tiffany and Chucky are playing house and you, uh, (laughs) it's odd because I don't think I'd ever say this about, a Chucky movie, but the love story between Chucky and Tiffany is honestly kind of sweet. Everything up to this point has been very poignant and has been well acted by the two acting out puppets, just voicing over puppets that are supposed to be in love with each other. And it's kind of a love hate relationship that they have, but you really kind of see them both realizing how much they need and how much they love each other i mean it's a weird puppet bonnie and clyde type of situation and it's really kind of heartwarming at the same time which is still very fucking hot to say and uh here you see it but you also see jesse and um jade here using that against them to try to escape from their clutches on the other hand she's not much of a housekeeper is she Tiff, those uh, dishes aren't going to wash themselves, you know. You were nice enough to cook for him. The least he could do is wash the dish. (sighs) What are you doing? 
Stewart say? Fuck Martha Stewart! Martha Stewart can kiss my shiny plastic butt! Well, that off, didn't it? I mean, of course she's living by what her mother said, and I, I can't believe that that actually worked, and they wouldn't have realized that this was something that was planned by the two of them to maybe try to escape. So they kick her, they kick Tiffany into the oven and uh, they push Chucky out the window after he takes a couple of shots at Jesse. Well, they crash the van and of course Chucky is able to force Jade to go along with him to his grave, which happens conveniently to be close by. Tiffany comes out of the oven and she's burnt all to fucking hell. And there's a really ridiculously looking scene. And I haven't talked about it quite yet because I want to save it for the end. And I'll talk a little more at the end. But the puppets have been really good up until this one point in the film. When she's holding on to Chucky. And it obviously looks like she's just kind of cradling a puppet. And he's not really being any threat to her holding a gun to her. Uh, and he grabs Tiffany by the hair and runs along chasing after them with her in his clutches. It looks really ridiculous and really funny, but that's probably the worst puppeting scenes you're going to see. So they come up to the cemetery, and of course, one of the guys that's working on exhuming his body, uh, Chucky shoots him right in the head, and I gotta say, poor cemetery guy, because he never saw it coming. He sends Jade into the pit to try to take him out, uh, but she's unable to really do it as fast as he wants, uh, and they have a little bit of a shouting match. She does manage to open up the casket, and he gets freaked out in seeing his dead body, saying, I shouldn't have seen that. Uh, She also pulls off the amulet that he needs and breaks his body's neck in the process, to which he has another nice quip about. Uh, he's still holding Jade hostage when Jesse shows up and he says, you know, Jesse basically says, I'm going to kill her, uh, unless you release, uh, you know, Jade for me and to which Chucky does agree. Uh, and they have this really kind of awkward exchange, even though they do do the trade, uh, Chucky himself throws his knife at Jade. But Jesse sees in at the last second, he turns around, he gets stabbed in the back. And poor guy goes down pretty hard. They get tied up again by the cemetery while Chucky finally is going to use the amulet to make them switch their bodies. This is it. I love you, Chucky. I know. We belong together forever. Kiss me. That's one of the heartfelt scenes in the movie. And then this is where Tiffany actually starts to turn a little bit on Chucky. I mean, she's been kind of pro-Chucky the entire time until the dishes thing. Uh, at least once they've become a doll and they're trying to get their bodies back. Uh, also, what I don't understand is how Jesse is still around and is able to be okay after taking a knife in the fucking back. I mean, it's not like it hit him in the shoulder blade. It hit him, you know... Just on the leg. Maybe he's got a little bit of a cup. It's stuck right into the center of the back. And he's still alive tied up with fucking Jade. It, that also infuriates me to some extent. 
because maybe he's just going to be weaker for the whole thing, but he looks like he's perfectly fucking fine. Like, there's no marks or anything, and you're going to trade yourself into this body of this kid you just put a knife into the back of? Ugh, how fucking stupid are you? Uh, but he, since Tiffany asks for the kiss, he gets the kiss that, uh, or he gives the kiss that she wants, but then Tiffany does turn on him and stabs him in the back as well. Oh! Why? Oh, Chucky, look at us. Don't you see? We belong dead. Goodbye, darling. I'll see you in hell. And then Chucky gets up and starts attacking Tiffany, and we get a doll fight. And this is one of the, again, one of the other times in the movie where it's a little odd the close-ups, of course, of, are always of the two characters. Are always of Tiffany and always of Chucky. But when they pull back, and they pull back quite a bit to have them do more of the intensive active action sequences, it's obviously midgets that are doing it. Uh, or little people, or however you want to say it. Uh, but it's definitely them doing the, the fight choreography. But when they get whacked in the face with the shovel, it cuts to the close-up of the doll getting hit. Chucky ends up coming out in the end, and uh, but not before Jade and Jesse are able to escape. And after Chucky plunges his knife into Tiffany, she gets to remind us of what her mother once said. My mother always told me, love would set me free. Get off my knife! Jade is somehow able at this point to get the gun and knocks Chucky basically into his own grave. He gets all upset and starts running around and panicking uh, because, of course, he can't climb out of there. And we get to see a recurring de- detective character that uh, really has no relevance until this point in the movie. He just kind of pops up in different TV interviews, kind of acting like the Officer Barbrady of this movie saying there's really nothing to see here and they don't really know anything when even when somebody says <coughs> what they think they do know and he basically uh looks down and says they're not going to believe anything uh you know of what's gone on here and he he had originally made Jay drop the gun that uh she was going to use to shoot Chucky but when he sees Chucky she's able to grab his gun and we get the last words of Chucky in this film. Go ahead and shoot. I'll be back. I always come back. Yay. But dying is such a bitch. And then she shoots him multiple times, killing Chucky, and uh, basically ending the terror that he's put upon them. The detective has a couple of last words for them, uh, basically clearing them of any wrongdoings. No one's ever going to believe this, you know that. What's going to happen to us? Preston, yeah, I'm here now. I'm afraid we've got another corpse to add to the list. Jesse and Jade, hell, they didn't do it. Just get forensics down here. You're never going to fucking believe this. Right. You two go on home and stay put. So they leave uh, to go back home. And the detective here, he goes and he cases the area. And he finds Tiffany's burnt up doll corpse. Uh, He's 
kind of afraid of it coming back to life like Chucky's. Uh, so he pokes it, he pokes it, pokes it, and she does come back, and she gives birth to a doll baby, and that is the end of Bride of Chucky. really enjoy this film it with even with its shortcomings the acting between jennifer tilly uh and i know i'm gonna mess his last name up but brad dorif uh their connection in this film is so good it's ridiculous brad dorif always has done a good job as chucky and he really has only done it you know he he's really only been chucky he's been in a couple other minor roles that you may have remembered uh, it, but you really don't know a whole lot of what he looks like, except for the couple of flashbacks from back in 88. But he's so good as Chucky that it's really fantastic. Um, and Jennifer Tilly is step by step by step alongside of him, uh, even when she kind of does the more wispier versions of her voice. It's still really well done, and she did a fantastic job. And if you haven't seen the follow-up to this, which is Seed of Chucky, which does take place a little while after it, she plays herself and Tiffany, uh, and it's fantastic. Uh, That is a great movie as well. Not as good as this one, um, in in my opinion, but in general, you have excellent, excellent puppet work in this movie. I mean, there is nothing that is CG except for, well, I shouldn't say nothing. There's at least one or two scenes, and it's obvious, uh, and it sucks. The glass falling from the mirror when it first gets hit, that's obviously CG. But for the most part, it's practical effects throughout this film. The facial expressions for both Tiffany and Chucky are fan-fucking-tastic. You can actually watch the mouthing. And the mouthing is almost spot on to anything that they're saying. It's really freaking cool. It's a little disjointing when they use the midgets to do a couple of scenes. Or little people, as probably I should be saying the entire time. But it's amazing. It's just amazing the amount of work. Even with the small things like grabbing things or handing things off or putting things. There are motions to it that, yes, they are puppets, so it is going to be a little stiff. But at the same time, it's really cool looking. I mean, it's pretty awesome what they were able to do with this film. And uh, I commend them on everything that they've done with their creature workshop for this film. Uh, Even with some of the deaths, probably the most uh, intensive in terms of makeup is John Ritter's death. And yes, the nails flying at his face are CG, but everything in his face, the makeup of the nails and everything like that looks fantastic. And it still kind of creeps me out when you see it. And I get, too, at times it's hard so hard to watch somebody that you know has passed away die in a film. It's a little rough for me. Uh, I don't know about you, but 
I had totally forgot that John Ritter was even in this film. So it's cool to see him again. Uh, and it's just neat in general. I mean, I really wish his, his performance was better than what he gave in here. It really felt kind of like a paycheck performance. And really all the other characters, with the exception of Alexis Arquette, they're bad. The acting is just bad. Alexis Arquette, he played that role, or she played that role perfectly. It, it's what it needed. It needed to be a little bit cheesy. It needed to be a little bit off-key, and it was played really well. John Rear, way too stiff, uh, and way trying to be way too stern. The kids, ugh, ugh. Man, if Katherine Heigl hadn't done anything else, I'd be like, uh, this is the only movie she's ever going to be in. Uh, which, Jesse, his actor, I don't even know who that is. Uh, and the guy that played David was just, uh, just trying to be stereotypically gay for no reasons. Um, and that was just a little upsetting. But it was just, like, I, I say, this is a, a, a so bad it's good movie. I think that I would recommend this to anybody that they want to watch a funny horror movie that maybe wasn't in, this was intentionally, but the franchise has been around and they kind of changed things around. I could deal without the human characters, almost all of them. They could find some way to do it. The whole side story of, oh, we're in love with each other, but we're, we can't because whatever, you know, we're teenagers and my uncle won't let, let us be together to the, Oh my God, you did it? No, I didn't do it. Why are you blaming me when you did it? No, but I didn't do it. Like, that shit could just go out the fucking door and I wouldn't give a shit. But the parts with Tiffany and Chucky are so good. And they are a majority of the film. You spend way more time with Tiffany and Chucky in the beginning of the film. And even towards the end. That, I'm sorry, kind of gets ruined by your other characters. I really wish there was more of that. It could have just been a Chucky and Tiffany road trip. They could have just stowed away in something because they're able to move relatively fast and seem relatively spy-like. And they could have just killed people along the way as they were traveling across trying to get to that the place. I understand why they did it. There's just a story here that doesn't need to be told or could have been done differently. We don't need this here are two star-crossed lovers, and here are two lovers in Chucky and Tiffany, and they're the exact opposite of each other, you know, but they both really love each other, though it's hard to tell between Jesse and Jade because there's all this fear in between them of who killed what if we actually killed anything. So overall, the gore in this movie, I give it a 3.5 out of 5. There's some really cool special effects uh, that are done uh the and some hilarious ones like david getting hit by the truck uh the, you know the way the uh the throat slit in the beginning of the movie uh the oh, the the fucking lip ring chain that still makes me fucking cringe uh but then there's some stuff that's kind of cheesy kind of whatever i really wish as much as i like the mirror scene of the couple dying uh, the effect is not the best in the world, and I wish we could have seen a little more uh, out of it. Craft Factor, it's it's a 1.5. It's really just for the stiff acting. That's how that's basically as crappy as you're going to get. You have good performances, like I said, from Jennifer Tilly and uh, from uh, Brandon, or it's not Brandon, uh, sorry, Brad Dorif, uh, and then everybody else just kind of falls flat. 
but they carry the film, they carry the scenes that they're in, uh, and it's a majority of the film. Uh, Alexis Arquette, too. Uh, I should have said that. Uh, that performance was, for this type of film, was very, very good. The fun factor of this movie is a 5 out of 5. The jokes, the setups, the kills, everything is just fun. Minus that one little section of the plot. Um, which is not even the plot that needs to be there. It's plot B. Uh, it's it's just entertaining. Every time that Chucky is on the screen, it's entertaining. Uh, whether it's the bad jokes, uh, it's what they do, it's how they interact... It's fantastic. So, overall, I'm giving this four and a half trusty knives out of five. Uh, this, it, it, I'm only docking it a half a point for the plot B because everything else keep me going. And once there, when plot B meets up with plot A, it's still good because Chucky is available at all times. And Ronnie Yu did a really good job for his second film because... Warriors of Virtue is not a very good movie. It is a kid's movie, but it's not a very good movie. But this, the way that things are framed, the way that things have been shot, the way that the characters interacted with each other, and maybe some of that bad acting is partially from the fact that he's primarily a Chinese director. Uh, There could be multiple factors that have gone along with this. But he does some really cool and interesting things in terms of horror. And it does a little bit in the beginning kind of... Uh, try to take itself a little seriously and then it just becomes fun uh, and I recommend uh, everybody see this movie if you haven't seen it already now the next film is a film that's actually available on Netflix right now as of this recording and I suggest that everybody take a look at it and uh, I will be taking a look at it for the very first time and this movie actually comes from New Zealand and it has two things in it that are near and dear to my heart. You know that evil heavy metal that your parents hate you listening to? You know those lyrics about hell, demons, and doom? What if I told you it's all real? I know. I was there. It's Puss. That's me, Brody. My friends are losers. So we started a band. Check it out. Ricky Daggers. Is he dead? The music had something to do with demons? Demons. We're all gonna die. I translated those pages. Now, people are turning crazy. Like, possessed. Crazy. That was pretty cool. As is, I mean, the axe and the... You know, I'm not even sure I'm in the right tuning. 
by that still. That's right. We'll be looking at the 2015 heavy metal horror movie Deathgasm. And this is something that I saw. I wanted to see. Uh, and I can't tell you right away if this is going to be a, a terrible movie. Uh, it, at least from the trailers to me, it looks like it's a so bad it's good movie. Like it's really trying to kind of like the the thing I didn't say about Bride of Chucky that I should have said towards my little closing credits is that it was self-aware. And this film is another film that looks like it's self-aware. So it might be a really good time. And it could be an excellent movie that maybe I think looks terrible right now, but turns out it's a great movie. Or it could just be a terrible horror movie. We'll have to find out. But uh, I've been interested in seeing it. It's now popped up on Netflix Instant. Uh, so you can definitely, at the time of this recording, you can watch it uh, on Netflix if you have it. Of course, you can always rent it on iTunes. <clears throat> Or you can check it out on Amazon. Uh, I believe it's available on Instant uh, for rent. Uh, or buy, you know, however you feel about it. Maybe you really want this movie and you want to buy it. So next episode, we'll be checking out Deathgasm. As always, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash Terrible Terror, uh, where I have, uh, before this episode came out, uh, I released a Top 5 Deaths in Bride of Chucky. Uh, and a lot of what I talked about is in that video, and you can see some of the things. I try to keep some of the clips a little longer than maybe they need to be, but it's to show also some of the aspects of why I really like it. Uh, you can also go there and you can check out the film review of Maggie. It has been released to everybody. So please, uh, if you want to check out the video review of a film that I felt was not really good enough for the podcast for a long discussion of it, but I did a pretty long discussion of it, uh, a decently long discussion with video clips uh, that is available on uh, YouTube. You can always go to the YouTube channel, too. Uh, it's YouTube.com slash Toolbert. There's more than just there's a section for the Terrible Terror podcast, and there's a bunch of other different videos there that you can check out. There's a lot of concert vids, um, local and national acts, and yes, I am a metalhead, so uh, that's also why Deathgasm appealed to me. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, T underscore T underscore podcast. Uh, and uh, you can uh, find us on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, Blueberry, and Google Play. And please rate and review the podcast. Uh, we, or I would really appreciate it because uh, it does help me get found out by more people. And, you know, there has been increasing listenership. So I thank everybody uh, new and old that have started listening to the podcast uh, and the ones that have been here forever. So next episode will be Deathgasm. Uh, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye.